welcome to the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Schill, Editor-in-Chief at iPhone Life. And I'm David Averbach, CEO and Publisher. We have an episode just following Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, where we're going to cover Apple Vision Pro, the new mixed reality headset, as long as as well as everything else. So we're really excited to get into it. Yes. First, we have a message from our sponsor, then we'll be back to talk about Apple Vision Pro. Today's iPhone Life podcast is brought to you by Withings. Withings makes smart health gear that pairs with your Apple devices. They make a blood pressure cuff called the BPM Connect, which is super easy to use and connects neatly with your iPhone. They also make a smart scale called the Body Comp, which measures way more than just weight, like bone mass, water ratio, and body fat. They make a smart watch called ScanWatch, which does almost everything the Apple Watch does, and it looks a lot more stylish, more like a classic timepiece. My favorite of their devices is their sleep tracking mat, which goes underneath your mattress and measures all of your sleep phases. And the coolest thing about Withings stuff is that all of their gear integrates seamlessly with the Apple Health app. So it measures all those health metrics, and then you can see it or share it with your doctor if need be. You can find Withings at their website, withings.com. That's W-I-T-H-I-N-G-S dot com. Today's iPhone Life podcast is brought to you by Zugu. Zugu makes, in my opinion, the best iPad case on the market. I've tried out a bunch, and Zugu is my favorite. It's got all kinds of articulation, so you can set it on a table or on your lap and always adjust it to the perfect angle. It's also a super protective case, so it's going to protect your device from drops. And they even guarantee this. They will cover the costs of Apple Care repairs if your device is damaged while it's in a Zugu case. I also think it looks really sharp, and they've got a bunch of stylish color options to choose from. My favorite feature though is the case is magnetic, so you can stick it on the fridge for out of the way storage, or you can stick it right up there and stream a movie or refer to a recipe while you're in the kitchen cooking. I use it this way all the time. Find out why they've got over 75,000 five-star reviews. Get your Zugu case today at zugucase.com. That's Z-U-G-U case.com. So David and I are extremely excited about Apple Vision Pro, and we think it deserves the most attention of this episode. So we're going to go ahead and get started by talking about that. This is a completely new product category for Apple and arguably for the world because we've had virtual reality headsets for a long time now, but um, we haven't had augmented reality ones and we haven't had ones at least that are quite what Apple presented to us today. So we want to talk about that. Yeah, I think before we dive into the new, uh, what they're calling Apple Vision Pro, let's just take a brief step back to orient people in case you guys aren't quite as plugged into the Apple universe as we are. So each year, Apple has uh, what they call WWDC, which is Worldwide Developer Conference. They have it in each June. And typically, the conference is an opportunity for Apple to talk to all the developers for their ecosystems. But why it's notable for us is that's the time of year where they have all of their operating system announcements for the upcoming year. So they announce what's coming up with the new iOS, in this case, iOS 17, what, what is for the new Mac, uh, iPad, all of their devices, the changes they'll be making to each of their operating systems. And so it's really interesting because you get a sneak preview of what's your phone, what your computer, what your iPad will be like. So that's the typical WWDC. And we got all that and we'll cover it. But in addition to that, uh, it also this year they announced several new products, which is pretty unusual. Every once in a while they do. Um, in the beginning of this conference, Apple said that they this was going to be the biggest WWDC ever. <laughs> and I don't know that they lied. Do you? I know. It was over two hours long, which is a lot longer than their announcements usually are, which is about an hour. And it was jam packed the whole time. Like I felt like I couldn't look away without missing an important detail. Yeah. Um, iOS 17 alone, I think had a lot of really compelling updates. Um, I was saying it's like the pain point update because they kept on coming out with different features that are really practical and address the things that we complain about all the time. So, um, 
that was just one small piece of this announcement though. All of us were, you know, the most excited about Apple Vision Pro. And I wasn't expecting that either because we'd really been hearing that we were going to get this headset, but that it was going to be mostly virtual reality. And that at this point is mostly about gaming, which just doesn't have as much of a universal appeal. But what we ended up getting was a device that looks like the future of the way we'll be using technology. And so it'll be really exciting to talk to you all about that. But um, yeah, thanks for giving the context, David, of WWDC. Yeah, yeah just in case. Uh, and I think before we dive in, I think we want to cover Apple Vision Pro first. We're going to skip a lot of our regular sections because we have so much. You can imagine we need to comment on an announcement that was two hours at jam-packed. So we're going to skip our insider question, our typical the day, but I think it would be worth at least doing a quick plug to let people know what Insider is in case they are un unaware. Yes, great idea. So um, we're iPhone Life, as you know, if you've probably been listening to this podcast, and we have a premium service called iPhone Life Insider. And this is a huge piece of what we do. We create content for Apple enthusiasts and lifelong learners to help them get the most out of their Apple devices. So if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount, you get 30% off your annual subscription just for being a podcast listener. Plus you can claim an extra 10% off if you're a senior service personnel or veteran, and you can experience everything that Insider has to offer. We have live online courses, so you can tune in with live instructors. Sometimes David, uh, or sometimes I will be one of your instructors. We also have a really great staff here that really friendly, really competent. We have um, in-depth guides on everything from the latest software updates. So with iOS 17 coming out, if you sign up for Insider, it's an amazing way to learn all the new features without having to go poke around and try to find them yourself. Um, and we have Ask an Expert. Anytime you have a tech question, you can write into us and get a guaranteed answer from our staff, as well as our digital magazine, uh, ad-free version of this podcast plus bonus content um, and also video tips, daily video tips that teach you something cool you can do with your devices in less than a minute. So go to iphonelife.com slash podcast discount. Check it out for yourself. And this is really the best time of year to subscribe because in addition to watching this and covering it for the news, what we do is we download the beta of each of these operating systems and we spend the next three months really mastering them so that the day these operating systems are available to you, we release guides. So we will have an iOS 17 guide and we'll have coverage for all the different operating systems teaching you how to use it. So make sure you subscribe now so that as this stuff rolls out, you're ready and we will get you ready through Insider. Yeah. One thing our subscribers say to us all the time is you don't know what you don't know. And that's the reason they subscribe to Insider. We go and discover all the coolest things your devices can do so that you don't have to be in the dark about them because you know Apple's created these incredible devices that mm -hmm. can make your life so much more productive and we're just here to help that happen. Exactly. All right, so are we ready to talk about Apple Vision Pro? Let's dive in. Okay. I don't even know where to start. I mean, I it's like such a radical new product for Apple. I mean, I think a good place to start would be t um, talking about what mixed reality means. Yes. Because I think that's been in the headlines a lot lately. Apple's coming out with a mixed reality headset. This was uh, a sure thing, even ahead of the announcement, mm -hmm. like that there, the rumors were pretty much confirmed. But... Um, Let's let's talk about like what does mixed reality even mean? Do you want to? No, I'm okay. gonna let you do it because I got confused along the way. Yeah. Virtual reality and augmented reality, I'm clear on, but mixed reality, fill us in. So mixed reality is basically just a combination of augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, I'll just quickly describe both. Uh, virtual reality is the headsets you've been seeing where you uh, put a go put goggles on and you're completely seeing a digital world and you can um, you can interact with it. But augmented reality, you still are seeing the world around you with digital elements superimposed onto the physical world. And mixed reality is a blend of both of those things. So we knew we were going to get some augmented reality features, which is kind of more cutting edge tech at this point than virtual reality is. But um, the rumors we were hearing is it was still going to lean more virtual reality. So I was imagining it would be mainly a gaming headset. But what we got is pretty much just augmented reality. 
Yeah, so people who are following this industry pretty well will note that like the main person out there producing these sort of devices is Facebook with their meta. Oculus. Their yeah, it's their Meta. Uh, thank you, Meta, which is formerly known as Facebook, uh, producing their Oculus, and that is virtual reality. It completely covers your face or your eyes, and there's no seeing through it really. There's some yeah. black and white blurry cameras every once in a while, but pretty much pure virtual reality. And when it's pure virtual reality, most of what you do with the Oculus is games. So I, and most rumors leading up to it, like you're saying, were just that it was going to be that. Um, and I think why you and I are more impressed than we thought we would be is that it integrated a lot more mixed reality. And with that came a lot more opportunities for productivity. Yeah. So it moves it beyond gaming. Um, I definitely found myself getting goosebumps when they were showing, um, their presentation for the Apple Vision Pro and we're showing workplaces they, mm -hmm. with like all these tables, people wearing the headsets and that they were looking at um, basically like computer screens, but they were just floating midair and they're using their hands and um, and eyes and voices to control these devices. And there was just not a computer to be seen in the room, but it just was very clear that nothing was missing from the picture. So it's like, wow, this is the future. This is the way we'll be working in five to 10 years, even though, you know, I don't think any of us are expecting this to be an overnight change. It seems to be, uh, it, to me, it was the mo first time I was like, I could see it. I could really picture it. Those were the first words out of my mouth when I was watching was this is the future. And then Somebody who's a little bit more cynical than I in the background said, well, just wait, let's see what they do it. And then by the end of the presentation, that person goes, okay, you can say it. It's the future. Yeah. And I think the reason why mixed reality is so much more exciting than pure virtual reality is because it has the potential to wear it while interacting with the rest of the world, which means it has the true potential to replace all of our devices to replace our iPhone. Most importantly, I think the closest for right now is that it will replace, it has the potential to replace our computers. It's mm -hmm. basically a computer that you're strapped to your face. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It, they look a bit like ski goggles. So, you know, there, there are legitimate complaints about it right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of bulky. The battery doesn't last very long, but, um, but it was really impressive. It has 12 cameras in it. Um, some of them are pointing down so that they can track your hand movements and you can control it with hand gestures. Um, it does have, I, how would you describe the eyes? Okay. I was, I was getting say, ready to talk about this. It's a little bit weird and we'll see how well they pull it off. But basically the front of the, of the device is glass mm -hmm. and not only can you see through it to interact with the real world, but also they use cameras, I guess, pointed at your own face to project your eyes onto the glass so that if somebody's looking at you, it looks like you are looking back at them through your eyes. And it's really just like a projection from a video, but it looks convincing in their demos, whether it looks convincing in real life. But the other side yeah. of this, like we're... I think is important to acknowledge it's cool. It seems like we're heading in a direction where this might be the future. There's this other side that looks like it feels a little bit icky and a little bit dystopian at times. Yeah, there's, <laughs> I think some of it is just that, um, hopefully in the future, they'll figure out technology where they can just be more like glasses, mm -hmm. less obtrusive. We already saw it with Google glasses in the past that like that didn't work out in that at all. form at all. But, um, ideally you wouldn't be having something so big strapped to your face. Cause they were trying to show people like in friendly settings with their family, wearing these, you know, interacting with people while people are looking at like a projection of their eyes. Yeah. And it seemed less, I have to hand it to them. To me, it seemed, seemed less um, dystopian than it could have been, I agree. but there's still an element of it being like, Whoa, I'm looking into a future world that like, I don't quite know how I feel about yet. Totally. Uh, and also the place where in my opinion, it got maybe the most dystopian was you, one of the uses is for audio calls or voicemail or FaceTime calls. And mm -hmm. you're like, well, what do they put for your face? Cause you don't have a webcam. And what they do is they mo do a model of your face when you set it up. And then it basically is like a computer rendered version of your face that is talking on FaceTime. And I, I think the closest, well, somebody in our comments said, they deep faked your own face. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hard to not look at that. It just didn't quite make it out of Uncanny Valley. Like, it just looked a little creepy. 
Yeah, it it, it definitely did. <laughs> um, that being said, I think this really... So I want to put this in a context, which is Apple historically has not been the first to market with new products. What they have done is they've looked at other people's attempts to release a new product and they waited until they could get it right and then they released it. A couple of great examples are the iPhone. They were not the first smartphone out there. They just were the only one that mattered because they got it right. There were a lot of versions before that didn't quite get it right. Same thing with the personal computer from back in the day. They were not the first personal computer. They just were the ones to get it right. And this feels like it has that potential, both in terms of the size of disruption of it's really, you know, when we were talking about this, we were talking about it versus Apple Watch. But you really have to go back to like an iPhone and the i and the computer are really the yeah. only things that Apple has done that has had this scale of disruption or at least the potential. And the second thing is it felt very polished in a way that nothing out there, Oculus has not been able to pull off to date. I agree. And that in that way, it reminds me of the iPhone, too, where um, Steve Jobs just made it kind of click in a way mm -hmm. that other phones didn't um, just where everything it's they think more about the human aspect of it yeah. and make it fit into your daily life in a way that will make you actually want to use it. And I think that with with something like these goggles, there has to be a lot of attention put on that if it's going to work. And so I think examples of that is they're finding out they're treating it like a whole new interface, which it is, and finding um, ways to make it usable. And then also addressing certain issues. Like if somebody approaches you, it will automatically sense that and make um, your view more transparent. Yeah. Even if you had been in a mode where you couldn't see where you've purposefully blocked out the outer world, it'll change that. So you can see someone approaching you and then they'll also see your eyes at that point. So they're trying, like, that's a big thing right now where if some, you're wearing a VR headset, you're completely disconnected from the world around you in a way that's sometimes problematic. Yeah, absolutely. And Facebook or Meta is not a computer company per se. I yeah. mean, they have they have Facebook, but I think Apple, because they produce Mac, they produce Mac operating systems, was able to make it feel more useful. Like mm -hmm. when they had their mock-ups of how somebody would use it during work or use it to interact with it as if they would a computer, it was a lot easier to imagine because you're used to seeing it. It felt familiar uh, in a way that was really exciting to me. The other thing that they did that was pretty innovative to my understanding is there weren't any, with the Oculus, at least Oculus Quest that I'm used to, you have to hold in your hands two controllers. Uh, there weren't any controllers. So it was all guided by hand motion, where you're looking with your eyes, and voice. And mm -hmm. so that felt like it had the potential to be a lot more natural than having to hold two controllers. Yeah, you uh, tapped your fingers together to click, and then you would flick your fingers up to scroll. They mm -hmm. were showing that as hand gestures. Obviously, there'll be a learning curve with this, and you'll have to figure it out as you go. But yeah, like those little controllers that you'd have to use with the Oculus, you could easily lose those. It just seems like a lot to keep track of. Um, I think some of it, too, is that it just changed conceptually the way I was thinking about what this product is. Like VR headsets, I'm like, oh, there are these... Um, Kind of extra devices that you could buy on top of everything else whereas this is more it's a new type of computer yeah and i think that's something that it's like okay wow it's a whole new type of computer it's spatial computing is what they're calling mm -hmm. it like we had desktop computing then uh then we had mobile com computing with the iphone and now we have spatial computing and they did a good job of sort of like pointing out that we're ushering in a new type of computing that can change the world um and then and so I don't know, it just seems much more like you're spending a lot of money. It's $3,500, <laughs> by the way, yeah, and not point. available until next year. But you're spending all this money on a computer, which makes more sense than that. I'm just like wasting a bunch of money on a device that's extraneous. And it has an M2 chip, so it should be the same processor as a computer. And there's no, it, it's easy to imagine it could replace a computer. I, and I think the, you know, because we have a lot to cover here, so I think I we know. should move on. But, you know, the couple framings that I think are valuable for this is, like we've talked about, the size of the swing here is something that Apple has not attempted under Tim Cook. Like, Apple has not attempted to release and completely disrupt an entire product category since Steve Jobs passed away. 
And so that's just exciting in and of itself as somebody who's a fan of Apple and loved, that's what we all fell in love with with Apple was how they attempted to revolutionize industries. And so Mm -hmm. that's exciting to me. The other thing though is with a swing this big, I think we need to give it time to decide if it works out or not. Because I'm guessing there'll be, and this is something we were talking about internally, it's easy to criticize right now. There's a lot of points that that are going to be less than ideal, such as the weird deep fake of your own face on FaceTime. Time. And the two-hour uh, battery. And the two-hour battery life. Thirty-five hundred isn't is actually less than I thought, but it's certainly expensive. Yeah. But I think it's hard. When I saw this, I had just had a hard time imagining that in ten years' time we wouldn't all be using some version of this as our primary. Yeah, and I think it's that's what I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge too. In this podcast, usually we really talk in terms of like, should you buy this product? And I I think we should talk about that with this, but it's also just a big moment for Apple. Yeah. And watching the announcement, I definitely got excited seeing Tim Cook get to like say the one more thing yeah. line. Um, and it felt like with this time too, it didn't feel cheesy. Like he was genuinely so excited mm-hmm. to share this product that they've clearly been working on really hard for years. Absolutely. Sorry, my headphones are... And and Donna and I were talking in preparation for this podcast about between AI and augmented reality, mixed reality, whatever we're talking about, it feels like we have two fundamental technologies that are on the verge of completely transforming our world Yeah, in a way that's really exciting slash a little terrifying. Yeah. Uncanny, I think was the right word. Cause I don't want to say dystopian cause I'm like, I actually think this is really exciting, but the, um, I mean, AI definitely can feel uncanny. Um, <laughs> the idea of robots taking over the world. And then also, uh, you know, a world where we're all wearing these goggles, like it could, it could have all sorts of implications that we'll figure out as we go, but it does feel like now we're going to be taking the next step with technology and using it in a completely different way than we have before. And, it's, I mean, it's a cool thing to be reporting on. I'm excited. Yeah, I agree. It's exciting. I will say we haven't talked a lot about AI on this. Uh, AI to me is terrifying. I, it's also <laughs> exciting, but I think there's legitimate concerns and need for regulation. This feels a little less terrifying. It yeah. may or may not be the future, but it it's mostly just exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, having people asking me, like, is Apple going to be coming out with AI features more themselves this year. Um, the only thing I really saw in today's announcement was the health coaching features. Like that's something that they are using AI to give you personalized recommendations and stuff like that. But I am curious to see what Apple does in that area. I think all of the tech companies have some catching up to do now. Cause I was having that thought the other day I was interacting with Siri and I was interacting with Alexa and then I was interacting with ChatGPT, and the quality of the interaction with ChatGPT is next level. Mm-hmm. Like Alexa can't even figure out what I mean when I ask it to turn off the light in my room. <laughs> ChatGPT can pass the bar. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Wait. I think that it. I was a little surprised that there wasn't more on AI in these announcements. And definitely in the coming years, there has to be. Like we have to have something that's as advanced as ChatGPT used for AI, for Siri, right? Yeah. I just really hope, I think with Apple's... Apple just seems to care more um, about these types of moral things. I hope that Apple takes a stance in terms of plagiarism, of using people's content for AI. Um, so we'll see what they do in that area. Yeah, it's it's a dicey area. Yeah, but I, I digress. We have so much okay, to talk I about know. this. We have um, so much. So I do feel like it's worth just for all of our enthusiast listeners talking about the possibility of buying Apple mm-hmm. Vision Pro. Like, do you think that's a viable choice? First of all, so it's $3,500 and they say it's going to be available early next year. So we're looking at a 2024 release. Um, a lot of these features, you can use this device as um, a computer replacement to some degree. Like you can do things like attach a keyboard and a mouse, a wireless one, and use certain Microsoft program programs. But it's unclear how much third-party app support there will be yet for what um, the software itself is Vision OS, I want to say. Vision OS. So we'll see. Like, <laughs> It's going to probably be somewhat limited at first, yeah. what you can use it with. Um, so I would go out there and say that if you're a really true enthusiast that's just really excited to try it and you have plenty of money go for it. <laughs> but Yeah, I think that for me, this one's actually... 
in some way, it's actually weirdly easy for me to answer. Okay. Um, obviously, we haven't seen it yet. So the easiest answer is, well, let's wait and see. But in addition to that, I would very firmly put this in the camp of early adopters. If you are somebody who is an enthusiast who can afford the $3,500, definitely try it because it's going to be really cool and fun there's no yeah. way it won't be cool and fun if you are somebody who's thinking that you should buy this as your primary computer don't do it like wait and see for a while it's going to be buggy it's not going to be supporting all the technology that you need it's version one we're on ios 17 so if you think it's fun if you think it's cool buy it test it out 3500 is while a lot of money surprisingly affordable um, but I don't think it's for anybody other than people who just like messing around with gadgets right now. What do you think? Yeah. For Apple's built-in apps and like a few select third-party apps that Apple's partnering with, I think it's going to work well. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel like for me, it, what I'm excited about is a future where I could use it as a computer replacement, yeah. and I don't think that's what it is yet. I think it has that potential. And so I'm, you know... It, it's hard it's hard for me to say entirely like my dad is a, an early adopter and a tech enthusiast and i think actually after today's announcement probably the advice i would give him is is more of a green light to go for it than i thought i would have going into it because yeah. I, I going into the announcement i was thinking it was mainly going to be gaming and i was like yeah i don't think you're going to want this and now i don't know i think it could be really fun i agree with all your points i walked into this announcement thinking there was no way i would want to buy it or i would tell anybody i knew to buy it because yeah. i was thinking it was just going to be an annoyingly expensive version of the oculus but it seems to be something in a different tier yeah. that I'm interested in buying. And if you're an enthusiast, I think you are. Also, I will say you and I are sometimes, I hate to admit this wrong. Uh, <laughs> so for example, we were skeptical when the M1 chip came out. And then the because we hadn't seen any hands-on reviews and it was an ambitious thing for Apple to do. Let's wait and see the hands-on reviews is my point. Like yeah. there are people who try it first will tell us and they'll give us a better idea. But I think without that, my best guess is I can't imagine it'll replace a computer. Yeah. No, so I agree with you on the wait and see, but I definitely am interested in getting it. And I'm like, I guess I'm not the best sample because we, we work <laughs> at iPhone life, but I still um, am excited about it. One thing I'm curious about is they did say you can go to Apple stores and try one on. I, they didn't say a date on that, but my um, impression was that it was going to be sometime this year that people could start doing that. And like, I hope so. Because I think with something like this, I just, I want to know more. Like I want to try it on. It's, um, I want to see if it could be comfortable because that's another big concern, you yeah. know? Um, another thing you can do, I think it was through that Apple app. You can right now like get a little uh, VR augmented reality view of the headset, like on a countertop. We had Colin doing that earlier. <laughs> so that gives you a little more idea of what it's going to look like. So those are some fun things you could try. But yeah, I would say it's an early adopter device yeah. for now. Yeah. But yeah, stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more coverage of this. Also, um, if you go to iphonelife.com slash podcast in the show notes, we'll link to all our coverage of WWDC, including a full article on the headset. So and let's make this our question of the week. Uh, I mean, we'll probably have a couple questions, but most importantly, would you be interested in spending $3,500 to buy the Apple Vision Pro. I had to look up the name. That's how new it is. Uh, so send us an email at podcast at iphonelife.com. Super curious to see what you all will say. We also got some new Macs today. Um, we're going to cover this only briefly because there's so much more to talk about. But it is worth noting, we don't usually get hardware at WWDC. Yeah. We got a lot today. Yeah. We got three new Macs. Um, I think the one I'm most interested in talking about is the MacBook Air 15 inch. Mm -hmm. So let's just, I guess before I dive into that though, let's go over what, what were all the Macs announced? Do you, do you have that off yeah. the top of your head? So we got a 15 inch MacBook Air. We got a Mac Studio and we got um, a Mac Pro. Okay. So the Mac Pro and the Mac Studio are really for professionals, in my opinion, which is why I'm not as interested in talking about them. Um, the Mac Pro, for example, I think starts at, what, $7,000? Yeah, I think your comment during the announcement was, really good device to buy if you're producing Moana. Yeah, because they were bragging about the like how they animated Moana with it. So I think for you all, let's put those aside for now. They, except to say that they have a new chip called the M2 Ultra, which mm -hmm. is like really, really, really powerful. 
Okay. Yeah. So we've got the M2 Pro, M2 Max, and now the M2 Ultra. It's really hard to keep track of Which all the new Which is really frustrating that the M2 Max was not where they stopped. It really feels like that should be a stopping point just from a naming convention. <laughs> <I> <laughs> yeah. But the MacBook Air 15-inch, I want. I've been talking about it for a while on the podcast here. It just, it's the right screen size. It's a nice... Um, large screen size. Right now I have the 13 inch one and it's just, you know, a little compact. I like to have uh, an external monitor in order to really be productive. Um, so it solves that problem. Yeah. And for a long time, I've been telling people that I thought the MacBook Air was the best computer for most people mm. because it has the M2 chip. It's really powerful. It's powerful enough for most people to do most of the computing that they have, unless you are on the computer all day and you're also doing something that's pretty power intensive. And it's also affordable. So the uh, MacBook Pro, which I have, I'm absolutely obsessed with. And it has some features that... Are really great like a micro led display really really powerful chip but it's really expensive i'd have to check but i believe it starts at like 2500 and by the time you're done you're spending three or four thousand dollars on this thing whereas the macbook air is very powerful and starts at around a thousand dollars but the main drawback up until now was if you wanted that computer you had to be okay with a 13 inch display mm -hmm. and like you said for a lot of people i think a 13 inch display is just less than ideal yeah for me it was almost a deal breaker and i love my computer but yeah. it's just it, it really does make a difference you know, it makes a difference. So also my computer has the 720p FaceTime camera, yeah. which is really low quality. The one, the last generation has 1080p and so does this one. So you don't have to get the latest and greatest to get that. But the M2 chip, I would really appreciate the extra speed and power. Um, it keeps the same battery life, 18 hours, which is fantastic. I, that's one of the main selling points of this device, too. And it starts at $1,300. They're now um, lowering the past MacBook Airs by $100, the entry price for that. But, you know, it's pretty pretty affordable for this type of device. Yeah, the one thing I'll say, and we'll do follow-up coverage on this because it's too hard to get into it this soon, but you gotta look at the uh, you gotta look at the specs of the actual model you want. Yeah. Because right off the bat, I'm looking, and the entry is starting at I think you said thirteen hundred. Yeah. So starting at thirteen hundred, but that's for uh, not enough specs. So then by the time you start adding RAM, you start adding storage, you very quickly get up to fifteen hundred or seventeen hundred. And then mm -hmm. you might end up being a little more comparable. Again, I don't want to do this comparison while live on the podcast, um, but often Apple fools you that way. So before you buy it, make sure you look side by side with the actual specs you want, because oftentimes the MacBook Pro base models come with higher specs. So if you compare an upgraded MacBook Air to a base model MacBook Pro, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. uh, it may be less different than you think. Yeah, because like one thing, for instance, if I upgraded a computer, I would want more RAM. I think mm -hmm. the main things I've run into is sometimes my device will max out if I have too many tabs and apps open. So I would like to get more than 16 gigabytes of RAM, which the new MacBook Air has options to go higher than that. But you pay extra exactly. for that. Um, so, yeah. That is our Mac coverage for now. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Moving on to iOS 17. All right. Which normally in any other year would have been the headline. And actually really great stuff added. Yeah. I would say I, I think I'm more excited about the iPhone software update this year than I was last year. Yeah. It which was, also I, had some great updates. I had some great updates and I watched this year and thought, oh, wow, all of that sounds great. So I'm pretty excited about this. Yeah. So um, what was your favorite feature of iOS 17? Oh, man. Stickers? Well, yes. No, <laughs> stickers was the one thing that we made fun of because I spent a long time. So here's what I would say about iOS 17. There wasn't any one particular feature that blew me away. There wasn't a headline feature, in my opinion. But all of their focus was on solving pain points and really practical updates in mm -hmm. a way that every time they announced something, I thought, oh, I want that. Oh, I want that. Except for stickers. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
You want to hear my favorite yeah, sorry. feature? It's I not going to be. The question. It's not going to be any surprise. Okay, probably. I'm ready. I'm ready. The journaling app. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I'm a little sad for other third-party journaling apps yeah. that I use. Like day one, I'm sure that they're really annoyed at Apple right now, but um, I have to say this app seemed really great. Apple. Sadly, they're not coming out until later this year with it. So I don't know. It doesn't sound like it's going to come out in September, but um, it is an app that gives you prompts and suggestions based on things you've been recently doing. So you could open it and it will be like, you know, saw that you were just in California and we'll be like, how was your trip? Journal about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And things based on different like, oh, you worked out and we'll ask you a question based on that. Um, it has on-device processing, meaning that Apple doesn't ever get their hands on the data that you're writing in there, and the whole app can be locked. So it seems really great in terms of privacy, unlike the current Notes app, which you can't lock the entire app, and you have to lock note by note. It's just not really built for more of that kind of private personal journaling. Um, so I'm excited about that. Um, also there's this standby mode, which I'm surprisingly um, excited about when your phone's in landscape mode and docked, you, um, get sort of like a digital clock effect by default, but it has all kinds of customizations too. Like you can add live activities to it. So it can show you things like the status of your Uber eats on its way to you, um, or like a live timer, Mm -hmm. um, also like photos of family, but they have just a nice a nice layout that I thought um, was a better use of landscape mode than most of their apps have right now. No, I agree. I think that the always-on display, I like better than I thought I would. I came in saying I was going to hate it, and I do like it, but it's not set up for when your phone is docked and charging, Mm. and this felt like it was a solution to that. They have an always-on display, and this was a view for when your phone is docked. I really liked, I mean, I know this is like basic, but I really liked the big clock. (laughs) <laughs> I need a big clock in my room. I dock my phone across the room. I really like that. I really like that I could see from across the room key <laughs> visuals. Like there's messages. something that's really funny to me. I'm like, what's your favorite iOS 17 feature, David? You're like, the big clock. <laughs> I really needed a big clock. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, this solves a very specific problem for me. This ties into our whole point that this is a really practical yeah. pain point <laughs> update. There's a lot of things like that that you like. It doesn't sound necessarily that cool, but it's really nice. A couple other features. I mean, let's just rattle off a few that seem really cool. So mm-hmm. one of them was a new and improved uh, airdrop where you literally tap the phone of somebody else and it'll set you up to transfer data Mm -hmm. and that seemed really convenient and they had a lot more controls over how you transferred the data and they also solved what to me was a really big problem which was when you want to share a huge number of photos let's say after a trip or on a trip you airdrop was the best way to do it in my opinion by far by far because texting like shared albums just always seemed buggy and weird and didn't work very well yeah i hate them but with airdrop when you're transferring a large file it can take a while and sometimes you'd have to like leave and the phones have to be within proximity so they solve that by you can airdrop something and then if you if your phones are no longer in proximity it'll transfer the rest online which is so nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, AirDrop in general, I love telling people about who are just starting to use Apple devices because it's an awesome data transfer technology that's exclusive to Apple. And not and there's used no, enough. Yeah, there's no data limit on things. You can like transfer huge videos to people, which in general, like, you have to yeah. use all these third-party services to do. But yeah, like David said, you have to be within a certain range of another phone to do it. Usually here, you still have to be within range to initiate the transfer, but then you can leave. So I'm really glad Apple's putting some attention on making AirDrop better. Yeah. Um, and so that's another one that I'm like, oh, that's so practical. I use this feature all the time. And if it's going to work better now and I don't have to stick around to wait to see if it's sent, like that's amazing. Another really practical feature that I'm really excited about is improved text message search where you can now add layers to your search because it happens to be a lot where Mm. I'm trying to find something really specific and I'll search for it and I'll have a really hard time and so now you can search your messages very similar to email where you can have different keywords stacked so for example you could be like put a person like 
all my text messages to Donna and then do the word like address. And I could find like an address that Donna had texted me last year. I could probably mm-hmm. do 2021. I haven't seen it too much in action. But like the ability to stack those sort of things, have more precise search seems really valuable given how much of our conversations are now via text message. Yeah, I love that because the Photos app has this feature yeah. too. You can do this advanced search of like adding different filters that way or whatever, however, you know, terms. Um, and I use that sometimes, but I'm not searching my Photos app regularly the way I'm searching my Messages no, app. Totally. I would say on a daily basis, I try to track down something that I was texted to me or, or uh, I texted to someone. And I usually don't delete any of my text messages from the past because a lot of times it has like really useful stuff that you need. And Apple's improved it a lot in recent years. But this is like, that's that's awesome. Um, I felt like there were some other cool texting features like now when when you send audio messages, which is something I do more often than I used Mm -hmm. to, you can just read the transcript of them, which like I a lot of times like listening to them because it can feel more personal, just like an asynchronous chat with someone, but you're not always in a place where you can listen. No, exactly. And I, since I, that works and it'll send me an audio message and I'm going to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to be responding for a long time. I, I agree on both fronts. Uh, audio messages is one of those weird things that felt like it took like five years to gain traction. Yeah. And now all of a sudden everybody's sending audio messages all the time and I'm here for it. I think audio messages are great because like you said, there's a lot you can communicate through the voice, which is why we love podcasts. Uh, mm-hmm. But they kind of are like mini podcasts. <laughs> I, I, I'll sometimes when I send people uh, audio messages, I'll, I'll joke. I'll be like, welcome to David's podcast. Because it, it feels very similar. Maybe it's just because we do podcasts. But That's like you cute. said, a lot of times I'll receive an audio message. And typically people send an audio message when there's a, like something really important to convey or kind of mm-hmm. something that takes a little bit more than just a text message. So it's often really important. And I'm at work and I can't listen. So the ability to read the transcript really helps. A related feature that I'm also really excited about is voicemail. So we've had voicemail transcriptions You're for a long time. You're excited about voicemail? I <laughs> am. No, I'm excited about the lack of voicemail. <laughs> so we've had voicemail transcriptions for a long time. But what that took was somebody would call you. You would be like, oh, I can't answer this right now. You'd send them to voicemail. And then you'd have to sit there and wait and stare at your phone and wait to read the transcription to see if it was something really important. Mm-hmm. Well, now they'll give you a live transcription. So as somebody's leaving a voicemail, you can see what they're saying and you can pick up if you really need to. So that's so that seems complicated to me in terms of them implementing that because it doesn't I thought voicemail was more handled by carriers. I agree. So like, how can you pick up a voicemail? That kind of like breaks my brain, but that's great. It also seems like a really confusing user experience for people who aren't ready for it. Like, I know. You get a call, it goes to voicemail, you're talking, and then all of a sudden somebody talks, starts talking to you. Now, obviously, those of us who are have been around long enough to remember true answering machines will be used to this function because that's how real answering machines used to work. Oh my but God, I'd forgotten about yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was going to be a deep cut. Yeah. Uh, but on iPhones, most of the time you cannot, obviously up until now, you couldn't answer a call in the middle of a voicemail. But a lot of times I think this acknowledging the reality that we all screen our calls now because we had so many spam calls. Mm-hmm. But sometimes this happens to me a lot, actually quite a bit where I'll screen my call and then it turns out it's actually somebody I really need to talk to and I won't realize until it's too late. Yeah, like the doctor calling yeah. or something. Um, yeah, this will be pretty much just me with my mom leaving me voicemails and me picking up halfway through and her <laughs> yeah, being exactly. confused. But, All right. Yeah. Um, I've, I got a couple others here, but do you have any that were particularly exciting for you? I thought another practical feature that came out is one called name drop. And that lets you, you can touch your phone to someone else's Mm -hmm. and transfer contacts. So that's a really great one for networking, um, or getting someone's number. It's for pickup artists. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, but it does seem like in general sharing contact information. Um, there are third party apps that can help you with that. If you're going to an event and networking and this just kind of does away with that and makes it seamless. Yeah, I agree. That one was cool. Okay. Two others that I'm really excited about. Um, Number one is interactive widgets. Oh, yeah. So up until now, when you wanted to, widgets were basically just shortcuts to open the app. So like if you have, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay. I have a good example. If I want to resume my audiobook. I have my Audible widget, I tap on it, it opens the app to the audiobook, and then I push play. 
but it's so silly. I want to be able to just push play on the widget. Well, now I can. And there's a million examples like that. Like, for example, for those of us who have smart homes, you can have widgets with shortcuts so that you can actually tap and it won't just open up your home app and then you have to do it all over again. I know. Same with like um, music or podcasting apps where you're like, the widgets will show you your four most recently listened to um, titles and then it makes it look like you could tap one of them, but then you can't. Yeah, exactly. And then it's kind of like, what's the point of this widget even? Exactly. So I feel like, I mean, to me, this makes a lot of widgets just way, way more useful. Like right now, one of the widgets that I like the best is just my weather widget. Cause you actually get some practical information right on the screen, but a lot of them just are, um, they make you seem like you can do things that you can't, I agree. you know? So is, I'm really excited about that one. This is such a funny comparison, but it, it feels a little bit like, you know how when you are call customer service and while you're waiting, they make you tell them your name and your account number. And then the first thing the person asks when you, when they pick up the phone is what's your name and account number. Yeah. And you're, and you're like, like, why did you ask me to type that in and say it? If you didn't have that information, that's how widgets feel. It's, <laughs> they're like, would you like to play this? And you're like, yes. And then you tap the button and it opens it up and they're like, what do you want? And you're like, I just told you. Totally. Yeah. Like just certain widgets just adds another step. Yeah. And it looked so satisfying. The demo they were doing, it had like streaks was one of them, like an app that you can set up for habit building and you could have your form, you know, top streaks you're trying to keep going and actually just mark them off from your home screen without having to open the app. Yeah. Same with your reminders. I was just like, yes, this seems so satisfying. So other features I was excited about, um, the interactive widgets was was a top one for me. One that I'm intrigued by, and the jury is majorly out on how it will be implemented and whether I'll actually use it, but um, mood tracking in the oh, health app. Yeah. So this is one you could do it through your Apple Watch. They talked about it during the watch part, but um, if you don't have a watch, you still could do it via the health app on your iPhone. And this is something that just would give you a little, you know, all those like, smiley face things that you see in general when you're being asked about your mental health and you can like choose on a range where you're at. Um, so you can do that daily, but the part that seemed cool is the insights that they build from that. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, the more data that you're tracking, the more insightful it will be. But if you have things like if you're doing, um, period tracking or sleep tracking, um, also activity tracking, and then you also can put in some other custom inputs, like other things you did that impacted your mood. Over time, you'll be able to see what things are um, basically making you happier, happier and less depressed. And I think that's that one just seems like it has a lot of potential to me because I have so many factors in my life at this point <laughs> yeah. that I have no idea a lot of the time, like why I'm feeling good or why I'm feeling bad. And yeah. so some help with that so that I can promote some of the, see what really makes a difference. The bottom line for me, I think would be really great. I'm pretty skeptical. It feels, <laughs> I, I, I knew agree you with the be. spirit. Yeah. It's, it falls in the same camp of Apple reminding me to breathe and thinking they're being helpful. Like Apple telling me that I need more sleep and more exercise because I'm depressed is not <laughs> going to help me. I know I need more sleep and exercise because I'm depressed. So it feels just a little bit like Apple's trying to be my like babysitter or something, but I'll try to be open-minded. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's okay. We can disagree on this one. I think if it was pushing things on me being like sleep more, like that would annoy me. But if it was something I could go and look at and be like, oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> you're right that a lot of these things are going to seem really common yeah. sense. You're in a bad mood because you're on your period, Donna. Like, is that going to feel good? Or are you going to be like, thank you, Apple? <laughs> okay, you may, you may have a point here. But if it could be like, oh, it, it turns out that when you go on a half hour walk and you do, are consistent about it, you feel way better. And I could be like, okay, I should prioritize that. I hear you. I'm trying to be open-minded. <laughs> I just, I guess what I am guessing is that the types of insightful correlations that you're hoping they'll find, I am skeptical that they'll truly find. Instead, they'll sort of be like, we found that exercise makes you feel better. And like, <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. So other okay. features that are maybe less controversial, although you seemed a little bit like you didn't like this. So maybe it is. Mm. Uh, control over what comes up when you call somebody. I thought that was kind of fun. It has like, you can check. It's kind of an extension to like when you text somebody, whatever photo is there. Now you can have a photo of yourself with your name oh. and you have controls over that. It I was thought like that was a, fun. an updated contact card. It was like an updated contact card. Exactly. 
The thing that was weird about it is that it's like basically it looks like a full screen takeover of like a picture of of your face. But but like when you call some like when somebody calls me now, it's a full screen takeover. It's just that they have no control over what photos I have used. Is that true? Why have I like never noticed this? I guess um, I guess you're right. But something about like, I guess I just don't see myself calling other people often. So I don't know (laughs) what they're seeing when I call. But there's something about like a full screen takeover of my face in general that I just wasn't a fan of. (laughs) So we'll have to see. The jury's out on that. But I thought it was cool and certainly a noteworthy feature. Another feature that's not only noteworthy, but this I think we can all agree is going to be very helpful for security is there's a new feature. I'm trying to read the name as I talk to you, but they're not telling me. But basically, it allows you to check in on somebody if you're concerned about them. Oh, yeah. That was nice. And it seemed to be a way of you can give your friends and family this ability to check in with you if they're concerned about you without giving them full unbridled access to your location. So it was basically like, oh, they'll get notified that you got home safe yes. or something. So it could be like if you were planning a first date or like you were going on a solo hike or whatever and like your fa- friends and family were concerned, you, they could get notified like you made it home safe. Exactly. Anybody who's done any online dating knows you before you go on an online date, you text your friends, you say, if you don't hear from me by a certain time, start to worry or you share your location for a temporary period. Yeah. None of it, either you're sharing your location in times when you don't want to, or you're sort of trying to come up with ways of doing this, which are less effective than I think what Apple came up with, which feels like the sweet spot between privacy and security. Yeah, I think so too. Okay. Should we move on? Let's we've talk got about, so yeah. many other OSs. So iPad OS, um, I feel like overall we're going to be a little light on that one because they spent a lot of time talking about the interactive widgets on iPad OS instead of in iOS 17 yeah. to the point that we were like, we, we were debating here. We're like, are they just doing the interactive widgets for the iPad? But really that's just the same across both de- devices. Although, um, like some of the iPad OS widgets looked a little bigger maybe i don't know they, so for the most part the same also spend a lot of time talking about apps and features that they were bringing to the ipad this year that they brought to the iphone last year like mm-hmm. having more controls over your lock screen and it seemed like basically the same feature they brought the health app to ipad and i had the same reaction that i had when they brought the weather app, which was, oh, they didn't have that. <laughs> I know. Yeah, a few things they mentioned during this section, but they really apply to both the iPhone and the iPad was that there's going to be more apps that use live activities that yeah. do things like um, you can see your flight status live with, with Flightly, I think was the app. Um, and then Uber Eats, you can see your food in real time on its way. Same with an Uber coming to you Um, you can set multiple timers and see them all as live activities on your screen which is really nice like a lot Mm -hmm. of times if i'm cooking a meal you have two different things in the oven that cook for different times you can do stuff like that um the interactive widgets that was one we named um the lock screen there are customizations that presumably also apply to the iphone like you can now adjust your font weight and um your font weight and color, but you can't still customize the size. And this was a big thing. We actually had a lot of you writing into us being like, suddenly the time on the lock screen is huge. Can't I make it a little smaller? So you can't make it smaller, but you can um, diminish the font weight when iOS 17 comes out. So I guess you sort of half got your wish. (laughs) Um, Another, the PDF features were cool. I was just getting ready to say that. That one was a big one, which also I feel like might be part of iOS 17 too, though, don't you think? I think it is, but I think that PDF, so it gives you a lot of tools to edit PDFs. I think that PDF editing is something that is probably more likely to be done on an iPad. So it Mm -hmm. fits under iPad better. And basically what it lets you do is a few things. Number one, a lot of PDFs are actually just forms Mm -hmm. and it lets you fill out the form and it even lets you do autofill for those. So nice. So nice. And it uses text recognition so you can even do it with photos. So you could take a photo of a form and then autofill the answers. And this is something that Mac has had for a long time. It's one of my favorite little hidden Mac features. On Mac, you can sign a PDF through Mac's built-in PDF editor preview 
and now you can do that. I'm sure, I think they had tools to sign, but this felt a lot better and a lot closer to Mac. Yeah, I used to use markup to do it, which was a little tricky. So the ability to kind of fill out forms and edit PDFs and sign felt really powerful and cool. Yeah, so you could do that through the Files app. You could open a PDF that way on your iPad, or you could through the Notes app, they had a feature that was even cooler. Um, You can, they were calling it Live Collaborate. Yeah. So two different people could, you could share a note that has a PDF in it with someone else. And the two of you can be annotating it and marking it up in real time. And you'll see the other person adding things to it as yeah. you do. So that's cool because a lot of forms either need multiple signatures or it might be something like you're both editing a document at the same time. Mm-hmm. So that was really neat. Um, all right, moving on to watch OS 10. This one was also watchOS got some significant updates. The biggest one was um, interactive widgets for the Apple Watch and smart stacks of Apple of widgets. And too. I'm really excited about this. Me too. Because it seems like Apple last year, I believe it was last year for the Apple Watch released the Siri view where they had kind of smart stacks of widgets on your Apple Watch screen, but that had to be your primary view. And what I wanted was a lot of control over my primary view of Mm. like, I have very specific complications I want and I have very specific view I want, but I also did like having those sort of things. For example, tell me if it's gonna rain in an hour or if I'm in the middle of an activity to be able to easily see where I'm at, things like that. And so what they did this year is you can have your favorite uh, watch face, but then if you use your smart crown, is that song? No, what's it called? Digital crown. The digital crown to scroll, it can pull up relevant, what seemed like widgets basically, mm-hmm. that you could scroll through in a way that felt really usable and helpful. Yeah, so you could do it two ways. You can manually choose your favorite widgets to mm-hmm. have like show up in an order. Um, so you could always do things like quickly check on the weather and see more detail than you would from your regular. Uh, watch face or you can use a smart stack which apple will then tailor the widgets that it shows you in that view based on your usage patterns of your device so um you know you're putting more control in apple's hands but i would be curious to try both out and just you know settle on which i liked better for the iphone do you use apple's smart stack of widgets at all or do you like to manually set it for yourself i have gone back and forth on that a lot and i do sometimes but usually not how about you um, for the most part, I like to do these things manually. Yeah. Um, I, I'll sometimes be impressed with like the suggestions that Apple gives me and being like, oh, that is useful. Um, but not often enough mm-hmm. to make it worth doing. I like to just set what I want to see. But right now, when you spin your digital crown, nothing happens. If From you're the watch, your face. watch face. Yeah. So it seems like purely additive, whereas the problem with the smart stacks is instead what I wanted was to control what was in that stack. Yeah. So I'm optimistic. They also claim to have redesigned many, if not most, of their apps. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, they didn't go into a lot of detail, so we'll have to see. But they looked useful. One thing that I saw that they had, which made sense, was for a lot of their apps, they had what felt like complications or, you know, complications is the watch term for widgets within apps. Mm -hmm. So, for example, in the fitness app, they had little shortcuts in the corners to get to different features that seemed very useful and functional to me. Yeah, because in general with the Apple Watch, you can feel a little locked in to whatever you're looking at. It's a really limited view because it's such a small screen. So it seems like between the widgets and then these in-app complications, they're giving you, it just um, makes the Apple Watch a lot more easy to navigate and to find what what it is that you're looking for. So with a fitness app, you're not just stuck only seeing how far you are on your move goals for the day, but you can also quickly skip around to some other areas of the fitness. Yeah. A couple of things they added to that didn't seem particularly exciting, but maybe for some people will be. If you're a cyclist, they added a lot of functionality for tracking what your potential max capacity is for cycling and therefore mm-hmm. telling you which zone you're in which sounded cool if you're a cyclist i'm not they have snoopy watch faces they always mm-hmm. add some watch faces where i'm like man i just really? don't care about watch faces and sorry i don't particularly care about snoopy well for cycling i will say for people that are into long distance rides it was an exciting update because they um connect to those bluetooth 
devices that you actually put on the bike. I can't remember what they're called, but that gives you more accurate reads on your distance and things like that. Um, that I know like my friend who did an 150 mile race last summer was using her Garmin for. And so Mm. I think that Apple is like, they're slowly building up their fitness, um, capabilities so that they can compete with these smart watches that are more like really tailored to fitness tracking. So yeah. I think that's good. They're like building that up. But yeah, for a lot of us in the office, we're like, we're not long distance bikers, cyclists, but I'm glad that they're continuing along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, hiking. They also had some new features like a waypoint feature in the compass app that um, shows you your last known location when you had a cellular connection. So if you did need to get a connection again, you could try to hike back to that point. That was cool. Um, in the compass, there's also an elevation view. And then in maps, they had a new, um, uh, the ability to see like nearby places you could go on hikes and, um, also a new topographic map. So I don't know actually what that does, but it looks cool. <laughs> Do you? I think that's our cue to move on. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about Mac. Cause no, I, I, I mean, I know what a topographic map is. They didn't convince me that it was going to be particularly exciting. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, I just, one last feature for watch OS that was a little dystopian was the one for children. They're like, it'll make sure that your kids get 80 minutes of daylight a day and that they're not holding their device too close to their face. I was like, oh man. Yeah. Nanny Apple at it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Mac, there was, uh, I would say we're sort of going in order of importance here. So mm. Mac did get some exciting things, but less so than iOS 17, in my opinion. Um, but were there any features from Mac that you're particularly excited about? I'm into the widgets that are now on your desktop. Yes, me too. So the cool thing about this is that they're on your desktop, but they did it in a way that doesn't clutter it because if you open up an app in front of it, you're, um, App, your widgets become transparent and meld in with the background of your display. Yeah. So they're there, but they're not like making it look like you just have sticky notes all over your wall. And we've had widgets in Mac for a while now, but they're, they're pretty hidden in the control center. So hidden that in fact, the other day I realized I didn't have one and I actually wanted a weather one and I had to go at it. But that's after like a couple years of this functionality. Mm-hmm. So it's easy to lose sight of. At the same time, Personally, I don't keep things on my desktop, really. Like, do you have a bunch of files and folders on your desktop? No. I never do. So it's pretty wasted real estate for me. Putting widgets on the desktop makes so much sense that when I saw that, I was kind of surprised that we hadn't already done it, which is usually a sign of a really good practical feature. I agree. Yeah. FaceTime got some cool new features. Yeah. FaceTime right now, um, when you share your screen, you just disappear. Mm -hmm. Um, And now they did... They have you in a little circle and then they also did like more kind of like cut, did a cutout around you, but you're still like floating in the front of the screen, like with your hand motions and everything with whatever you're sharing behind you in a way that was kind of cool slash like weird. It was a little goofy and we'll have to see if it works. But I will say as somebody who both shares my screen a lot in meetings, but also has a lot of people on a call who I want to like keep their attention. Mm. Things like this actually seem like they might be useful for that because so much of the time you're just staring when you share your screen, you're staring at something pretty mundane, like a spreadsheet or a PowerPoint. Mm -hmm. And really the thing that keeps everybody's attention is whoever's talking. So being able to see them and maybe make them a little bit more engaging than the classic Zoom view seemed interesting to me, but sort of a, we'll see if it actually works the way I wanted to. Yeah. The jury's out on that one. Family passwords. That's one that I think will be practical. Yeah. Um, right now, Apple's password management on the Mac is pretty great with the latest, um, if you have the latest OS, but, um, for shared passwords, there's not a functionality for that. And, you know, a lot of times there might be certain accounts that you have for the whole family. So you can have certain passwords that are shared in your family group. Yeah, that seemed very practical. Another one that's like maybe less functional but more fun. So do you have an Apple TV? Mm-hmm. So Apple TV, when it is not in use, has a screensaver that I'm just obsessed with. It's like the Apple has collected these really beautiful drone cinematography is mm-hmm. how to explain them. They're often of like 
beautiful landscapes, uh, sometimes cities, but they're done in 4K and in slow motion, and they just are beautiful. And sometimes I'll just end up staring at them for a while. Well, they brought that to be the screensaver for Mac, which just makes sense because the Mac screensavers are just saying hello to me in like 100 languages. Yeah. It's not that exciting. So I really like that. But the thing that they did that seemed particularly cool is they also took those and made them so that you can have them as a background for your desktop. So it's a little bit of motion, which might be distracting, but seemed pretty cool to have something other than just a photo as a desktop background. In the presentation, they looked very gorgeous. Yeah. Um, and I agree on the Apple TV, they are too. So yeah, that'll be cool. Safari got some cool features too. Like you can create work and personal profiles that in was Safari, cool. yeah. which is something I think I'll, I'll at least give a try and see how I like. Mm-hmm. Um, also the ability to save web apps as basically kind of app icons on your Mac is nice. Mm-hmm. You can do that on your iPhone by adding a, a certain website to your home screen, which you can just tap and be brought to that browser. So now you can do that same thing in Mac in, um, on the Mac, which is great if you're an insider subscriber or like reading yeah. iPhone life, you can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, those are my, my main features, which, um, I think, th- I think we got the headlines. There. Yeah. So I would love just one more time to ask you all to write into us to let us know um, what you think about Apple Vision Pro and whether you'll be going ahead and making that purchase when it's available next year. Also, um, what was your favorite fe- other feature from everything we talked about today? Email podcast at iphonelife.com and let us know. Oh, one feature that we didn't mention because it wasn't in these sections, but I thought was really cool was the ability to do airplay at hotels. So basically right now, when you go to a hotel, some hotels have some ability to log into Netflix, but most don't give you a lot of options. You just end up watching a lot of terrible TV because you just don't have all of the internet, uh, like TV streaming services we're all used to. And so Apple's trying to solve that by giving hotels the opportunity or the tools to allow you to stream from your phone so you don't need to go through all the weird setup of logging into netflix on your hotel tv and you can access shows based on where you were and you know i've actually just taken to literally bringing my apple tv with me to hotels so this seemed like a really good solution that prevented me from doing that and a few other people in the company said they did the same thing so yeah you could just like scan a qr code with your iPhone and then be able to airplay to your TV was the what they showed us. But yeah. yeah, you might be better off for a while now just bringing your Apple TV. That can be an extra hack you get from this episode. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. But send it, let us know, especially I'm curious, would you be buying an Apple Vision Pro? Mm-hmm. So podcast at iPhoneLife.com. And thanks everybody for tuning in. These are always some of my most favorite episodes. Yeah. Thanks so much, everyone. <laughs>